Hello, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. And today on the Full Voice Podcast, episode 130, voice teacher Jessica Saunders is sharing details about her successful live virtual recitals. Our good friend, social media expert Karen Michaels, is helping us with graphic and copy guidelines for our social media postings. Vocologist Heather Nelson is giving us an Anatomy 101 and she is discussing the cricothyroid muscle. And our business expert, Michelle Marquardt-DeVoe, this is part of our business series, is going to be discussing on how to market your studio offerings, pedagogy, and business strategies for you and your voice teaching studio right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello there. Welcome. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Full Voice Podcast. My friend and colleague, I hope you are keeping well and inspired through these challenging times. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, um, this is this is a very beautiful day. It's November. If you're listening to this podcast at time of release, it's November, beginning of November. And here in Canada, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, we are enjoying some incredibly warm weather. And this is a big deal for Canadians. Uh, we might be polite, but we'd love to complain about the cold and the snow. And there is no cold and snow. In fact, I let my son wear shorts today. Yes, it is that warm. And I hope where you are, it is lovely and you are enjoying uh, some sunshine. Now, this episode, lots of great teacher takeaways. First of all, we are continuing the virtual recital conversation. Our first guest is Jessica Saunders. She's an independent voice studio owner and an adjunct professor of voice at Kirkwood Community College in Iowa. Jessica has been hosting successful and very well-received live virtual recitals, and she is sharing her experiences with you on the show today. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica Saunders. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I'm I'm always excited to have a new guest on our uh, on our show, and uh, today we're talking about live virtual recitals and opportunities for our students to perform. So I I know a lot of people are now obviously entertaining online uh, with their recitals. So this is a really hot topic right now. And you've been doing a whole bunch of different types of live performances with your studio. So I just, I just, I can't wait to dive in. Um, so, but first of all, tell us a little bit about your studio and about the students that you're working with. So we get an idea of the ages that you've got. Uh, yeah. So I, my studio is about seven years old. I started it while I was in grad school at the University of Iowa, and it has just um, kind of grown. And I teach actually in multiple locations. So I teach um, where I was going to grad school, about an hour away from where I live. And then I started teaching in my town um, here in, in Iowa um, as well a few years later. So I have a couple locations. And I teach anywhere from age eight to adult. Um, but I would say the majority of my students are kind of that tween age, um, 
tween age from about 10 to 14, uh, but most of them have been with me, I'd say at least two to three years at this point. Uh, and it's just a really fun studio. I feel like it's a great, it's really supportive. Everyone's really supportive of each other. Nice. And we try to have lots of fun. So, oh, I yeah. It. I love it. Now, were, did you transition online during the lockdown back in March? Yeah, so um, pretty much right away, I I was on spring break. So my studio was on spring break as well because I'm a, I teach adjunct at a community college. So uh, the spring breaks kind of line up together. Right. And... So I was able to kind of have some time to think about it and <laughs> breathe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's Iowa, so we've also had lots of weather days. So sure. some of my students, we've already had already done a little bit of virtual lessons, either just mm-hmm. on FaceTime or whatever. So I wasn't uh, too scared to give it a go. Sure. Um, I hadn't used Zoom often, but basically once uh, all the schools said they were not coming back, to in person for a while, I just emailed my studio and said, we're moving to Zoom for the foreseeable future. And we had a little get together. Um, I just hosted like a Sunday evening question and answer session on Zoom. Oh, what a great idea. Yeah, everyone could kind of get together at once and see each other and and ask any questions they had. Um, I should have gone over sound settings, but I don't think I I knew about those issues quite yet to teach them, you know, how to do original sound and all that stuff. But um, so we were able to all kind of get online. People were able to get on for the first time before their lesson and kind of just see how it worked. Sure. And I really didn't lose too many students. Uh, Everyone stuck with me. Um, A few took quit after the spring semester, but I'm back to full numbers and I have a waiting list and people are having fun with it. So I I think it's going good. I love it. I'm I'm so glad to hear that. I know I know that's not the scenario for all teachers, and and I know some teachers really struggled with the online transition. But it seems like you already had a sense of community within your studio prior to the lockdown, so it was easy to kind of support them into the online platform. Yeah, and I think um, what I always tell people when it's like a new student coming in is that the parents really do have to be a part of that process to help help the student navigate navigate the the zoom and all of that and and by now everyone's experts so I think it's going to be <laughs> the nice thing is I know if I'm feeling a little sick one day I can say you know what we're going to do zoom lessons today yeah. and it's not a everyone knows how to do it so there's no excuse not to still have your lesson if you're a little under the weather <laughs> oh that's a great point that's lovely mm-hmm. I I find it and it goes both ways so I had mm-hmm. one of my students they they did their zoom lesson but they had a bit of a cold now if they were in person they would have canceled for sure they, they were still in their pajamas but we actually still had a productive lesson we did a no singing lesson and we did more ear training and theory but it was still a wonderful lesson so it can work exactly. both ways, right? You, the flexibility of having that online platform can really be a benefit. So, um, yeah. Now, when did you decide? When did you when did you decide that you were going to do a live virtual recital? How did that How did that come to be? So, uh, when we went to the virtual, I was feeling like many teachers, like, you know, you're questioning, okay, do I keep my rates the same? (laughs) Um, you know, which I, I was a strong proponent that yes, I'm keeping my rates the same, but what I did decide to do was offer some extra performance opportunities. Um, so 
I started doing monthly coffee houses. Um, and so that's kind of the main venue for the live performing. And they, they function, it's like a coffee house or an open mic slash studio class. So it's just for the students. Nice. And I decided to do that yeah, once a month. And then we had three over the summer and we've had two now this fall. So I think I've had five or six at this point. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. And they, I will say the numbers have started to go down a little bit now that students are back in school. Sure. But, uh, I think the first, the first few and the ones this summer were really well attended and it was just a way for students to kind of come together and have that sense of community and see some new faces or familiar faces. Yeah. And, uh, so that's kind of what I decided to add on to the lessons just to kind of, you know, add some extra services during the pandemic. And I was hoping that it would kind of keep keep students engaged and want to continue those virtual lessons. Now, how do you facilitate them? Do you, you're using Zoom mm-hmm. and then, yep. and the students are performing in, to tracks on their side or are they accompanying themselves? Like, how does it work? Yeah, most of them. So I was already a big fan of tracks because I'm just not the best piano pianist. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, they were all very comfortable with the tracks or using tracks. Um, And so, yeah, we just do, it's pretty informal. Like, we just do a little mini sound check before the singer starts uh, Mm -hmm. singing just to kind of check balance. And um, they just play it on their end, ideally with a speaker. But we kind of just go with whatever they have at that moment. Sure. Um, And... I would say early on, students were kind of working on pieces that we've been doing in lessons, and then it has since evolved. People might pick something that they've been singing along with on the radio, or if they want to sing a Hamilton tune, they can, you know. So it's pretty pretty informal and just kind of a fun, laid-back experience and way for people to sing for each other. So. Oh, I love that. Now, um, how, do, how do you do the, do the participants get to... Um, a comment on the performances how does that work yeah that's one of my favorite aspects of it is um they we have the chat window and everyone writes compliments to each other as the person is singing and then the singer can go back and see that oh, nice. and it's yeah it's really fun because I do a it pre-covid I always do a spring compliment exchange which you've talked about before mm-hmm. um and so this is kind of another way to add that in. And I always love seeing the comments uh, from the different age levels and skills levels. You know, some people might just be like, oh, you have a really pretty voice. Or they might say, oh, those high notes are really great. Um, and then you get others that are like, oh, that vibrato was so good on this note. And, you know, it's a great range of, of comments and skill levels. And so I really I really like that part. Mm-hmm. Um and then something that I always try to do whenever I'm working with a student, like in a master class setting or in our coffee house setting, is after they sing, they have to say one thing they liked about their performance as well. Oh, that's so, a good thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. I'm stealing that. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, because, and I think we've gotten past the point now where they're not just saying, I remember the words or I made it through it. You know, they're they're really saying something specific about their singing. And so I think those opportunities really help help the singers develop their critical listening ear mm. and their kind listening ear too. <laughs> so to be nice to themselves and their their um, classmates or their, their studio mates is really 
just invaluable. I thank you for sharing that. I think that is such a important skill that is often lost on some of our students, even even some of my adults. I have to remind them that there's lots of good in your performance that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, I'm not just listening for the things that we need to work on. It's it's still a beautiful uh, uh, work of art that you just had there. So um, that's great. Now, when you are when you're doing your monthly uh, coffee house live virtual recitals do you do you have themes do you or is it like how do you organize it um you know I would say it's not themes but um it's pretty much just like I said we we kind of everyone gets on and I ask who's gonna sing and we kind of come up with an order okay and then we just kind of go around uh the room or you will say the zoom room the zoom room in that way <laughs> so they just uh sing in that order and I will say, I forgot to mention, we often, I generally start with some sort of fun activity at the beginning. Ooh. Okay, what kind, kind of, of, okay, tell us about those. That sounds like fun. Yeah, so like um, I started, a couple of my favorites have been, we did like a scavenger hunt. So the first one they had to find items in their house that began with uh, the musical alphabet. So, oh, you know, fun. they had to. Okay. Yeah, they had to find something that was an A or a, you know, a B. Um, and then my other favorite activity was there's that there's this theater game where you stand in a circle and you have to count up to ten. Right. Um, you know, without overlapping each other. So you're like kind of supposed to be listening and one person says one and the next person says two. And if you accidentally both say two at the same time, you have to start over again. Oh. So we did it with uh, happy birthday instead on zoom oh okay so it was very silly lots of laughing we had to try quite a few times (laughs) to get there um and so i think that was one of the the better activities uh that that it went really well oh i like that it kind of doubles as a really good warm-up too yeah, it just kind of helps everyone focus, and you could kind of see, like, on the students' faces, like, oh, who's going to say the next word? And <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's fun. Now, I wanted, um, you you partnered with a composer for a Halloween uh, project. Can you tell everybody about that? I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, so um, I do a Halloween-themed recital every year, and I, I think it's probably my students' favorite recital. because oh, me too. <laughs> they, yeah, they get to dress in costumes, and we do spooky songs, or they might just sing a song that's you know, goes with whatever costume they're wearing. Right. Uh, and, but, you know, there's only so much Halloween repertoire out there, mm-hmm. and it's often not very singer friendly like you know a lot of people like like monster mash is fun but it's not really <laughs> a lot of singing you know it's and true. so there's only so much repertoire and one of my best friends from the university of iowa when we were there together is a composer and a singer and a teacher mm-hmm. and so she kind of we decided to work together and she wrote some pieces for uh she wrote three pieces spooky songs for singing for my studio Nice. And then um, my students, I picked kind of three of my longtime students that are from ages 11 to 13. Um, and they they learned the pieces. They got to work one-on-one with the composer. She kind of popped into some of their Zoom lessons, oh, which is cool. 
Yeah, and she's based in Portland. Uh, Lisa Nair is her name. And so she is based in Portland, was able to pop in and kind of just give a little bit of feedback. Um, and so now we have these three new awesome Halloween songs uh, out there for students to use. And my students got to do kind of world premiere, virtual oh, world premieres this week. Fun. And, and I can I want to thank you. I mean, our our composers and, and our colleagues in our arts fields are really struggling right now. It was really nice to be able to reach out and work with the composer and bring her music to your studio. Like, like congratulations on that initiative. I, I hope you inspire more teachers to do that kind of work. <laughs> thank you. I mean, it helps that she is really passionate about about singing and teaching, and mm-hmm. and she's passionate about working with young voices. It was something new for her though too like she hadn't written for young singers Mm. so it was um a learning process with her and the poet uh kendra uh to come up with texts that were texts and song uh that was the right length and you know and um member you know was memorable for the student to to memorize um So I think it was a learning process for everyone. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Um, Now going back to the live recitals, um, is there any big learning hurdles you went through or things that you did at the beginning that you would warn people not to do? (laughs) (laughs) Any do's and don'ts that you've, you've garnered from the last few months? Yeah, I mean, I always think, like, I've had a few friends that are are not voice teachers, but music teachers that have asked me about some of the, the virtual recitals. And I actually think the Zoom live recital is kind of the lowest maintenance option. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, you're not, you don't have to do any editing. You don't have to worry about um, if you're sharing a video clip on Zoom that it cuts out or goes poorly, you know. Um, so I think it's actually like the lowest maintenance. I'm, I would say as far as like do's and don'ts, make sure that your students all have a Bluetooth speaker. Oh, like a proper speaker. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's just easier to get the balance. Um, and I would say I would do a better job about checking that balance before students start. Mm-hmm. And also maybe checking like lighting and camera angles, you know, because otherwise you end up with a lot of just like neck shots yes yes so I would say that would be my biggest change for for the like in-person virtual recitals um like I said mine have all been pretty informal Mm -hmm. and if you wanted it to be a bit more formal I think you would definitely need to work more on checking the balance checking the lighting having a nice visual background that's not crazy cluttered Mm. um for that experience um and if I was going to do one that I wanted to do, like stream and share with families, because my coffee houses are just for the students, right. um, I record them in case they have a really awesome performance that they do want to share. Oh, nice but, tip! Yeah, but I don't, I don't like send that off automatically. The student has to ask for that recording if they want it. Right. Um, but you could easily live stream your Zoom recital to Facebook or YouTube. I've done that for other you know, things I'm doing, other projects. Mm-hmm. And that would be a really good way to, I would just have the students on the Zoom call and then have the families and the audience on the, the on live the stream. stream portion. Mm-hmm. Great tips, great tips. Now, um, Jessica has this really well done 
um, visual graphic that you did up about the settings. <laughs> Can you tell everybody it's brilliant and, and it's been shared. <laughs> I know you've helped so many people with this. Uh, you've shared this on the Voice Teachers for Young Singers forum and on your your studio page. So can you tell everybody about this graphic about the virtual lessons that you share? And I'm going to put a link. Um, Jessica's very kind. She's let us um, uh, add this to our show notes. Uh, but tell us about this graphic and, and why you created it. Yeah, I just, um, when I was, this fall, when I was kind of having anxiety about notifying my families that we were going to be staying virtual, I decided to kind of pull the Voice Teacher for Young Singers Forum just for um, people's experiences of the positive sides of the virtual voice lessons. Mm -hmm. And I think we've all... I mean, you know, I know many of us are frustrated at times, but I think a lot of us have also found really innovative ways to use Zoom Absolutely. and the virtual lessons. And so I just wanted to kind of have a nice big list of really great uh, aspects of the virtual experience. And so I, I pulled that and then I just popped it into a, a graphic on Canva and, and shared it so that families could. But it's things like, um, here's a couple of them on here, just that there's enhanced listening listening and analytical skills mm -hmm. for both the teacher and the singer we have to really stop and listen oh, sure. um because i know uh, before this i had a lot of students that would kind of talk or sing over me after i'd give a direction <laughs> mm -hmm. so you really have to stop and listen and think about it um you know things like more flexible scheduling uh there's more responsibility on the student. Like I will say a lot of times before parents would just kind of drop the student off and they'd, you know, come in for their lesson and I had to have all of their right. recordings and music and now they have to really be on top of it. And now uh, the student's the one logging in and, and in charge of their accompaniments and all of that. So it's been really exciting to see some of my, especially some of those tween age students really take charge of their virtual lessons. So, um, there's a lot more on there. I won't read them all off, but yeah, it's been it's it's been received well, I think, in the forum, and it looks nice, and it's just a fun graphic. I I really appreciate that you went to um, uh, to the trouble of doing that because I, I agree with you. I think yes, I think all of us, if we could, we would prefer. I know I I miss my in person lessons, but I agree with you. There's been so many things that I have learned about my about my students, about where they're actually at. And I completely agree with you about being organized and having their own music and their own tracks. And you, I don't know about you, but some of my students, like the Zoom lessons really, like being able to kind of go <laughs> into their home, it was like, okay, you've never practiced in your room before. So <laughs> this is a great opportunity to do what you should have been doing before a global <laughs> pandemic. So I tease my teenagers. It's like, it only took a global pandemic to get you to practice at home. <laughs> so um, I, I thank you so much. I'm going to put a link to um, to all of these. And I, I will put a link to the new Halloween repertoire too. And hopefully other people can check out the, the new music that was composed for, for yeah, the Yeah, the videos are all on my uh, studio page. So you can kind of see those this week. 
Oh, that'd be wonderful. Uh, Jessica, I thank you so much for sharing your experiences. I know that this is going to be helpful for so many teachers who are just looking, as, as we all are, for ways to keep our the community within our studios and to keep our students supporting each other and singing. Thank you so much. Now, before I let you go. And now, the warm-up of the week. <laughs> I have to know. So you have this wonderful little exercise. So it's warm up of the week and you have this beautiful autumn leaves are falling down. So it's a beautiful seasonal one. Um, can you, can you go through it with everybody? Yeah. So it's uh, just autumn leaves are falling down. So Ooh. do, so, la, fa, so, re, do. Nice. Um, and the, the, it's hard. Most students struggle with the la and the re. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually when I tell them to kind of like mimic with their hand the falling leaves, they kind of get that that pattern of the up and down. Love it. Um, I like it because they have to get some legato in there. Mm. And then I also like to do it as with onsets at the beginning because they have to kind of really have that relaxed jaw. Nice. And sometimes I'll add onsets so they have to do oh, oh. Autumn leaves are falling down. That's interesting. Yeah. So that's that's my little fall warm-up. Oh, beautiful. Well, we are right in the middle of a rainy, cold fall day. The the leaves are about to completely drop. I'm going to steal that today (laughs) and use it with my students. Thank you. Uh, Jessica, I am wishing you uh, a a fantastic day and all the best in your studio. And and I want to thank you for... Uh, creating such a wonderful, safe, and creative space for your for your students, and I'm sure they, uh, I'm sure they, your students and their families really, um, uh, really appreciate your efforts. Thank you so much. I appreciate uh, you and all of your resources. So they're really a favorite in my studio. <laughs> oh, thank you. Many voice professionals and studio owners use social media to promote and celebrate their teaching studios. And our social media expert, Karen Michaels, returns to our show to share a very important guidelines for when we are posting our graphics and our copy. Welcome back to the Full Voice Podcast, my social media expert and voice teacher and piano teacher extraordinaire, Karen Michaels. <laughs> How are you? Hi, girl. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Today, we're talking about using graphics and mm. best practices for graphics and copy. Awesome. I, don't, I think a lot of people don't realize that there are guidelines that help us to get the most. I've learned the hard way. <laughs> so, so let's talk yes. about... Let's talk about these best practices for using pictures and then the copy. So there's, it's different for each platform. Yes. Again, it just makes me so crazy. Can we not just have that little platform (laughs) summit and get it all together? Because, right, because we know that on, on Facebook, they like the horizontal and then on, on Instagram for graphics on Instagram, it's a square, right? And then, but on, on IGTV, it's 
it's the long way. It's the vertical one. Oh my gosh. Right. And then on LinkedIn, it's more, it's closer to um, Facebook, but you can use a square. So that kind of is a little bit, that's kind of good because you can kind of use either graphic, Mm -hmm. um, either sizing. Right. And the best way to figure this out is this. Um, And I have some favorite apps I'm going to share with you. Um, Canva, you can use Canva. That's wonderful. And then put in Instagram post, LinkedIn post, Facebook post, you know, so that, or video so that you, it automatically sizes things properly for you. One of my very favorite, favorite apps I've used it. I mean, since I think I got on social media is called word swag. It is so cute and fun and awesome. They have tons of free photos, tons, tons, and tons of free things. And you can add, you can lighten and darken. You can add graphics. You can add all kinds of things, right? Then you can make your picture or graphic in there Mm -hmm. and then download it. And then I use something called Lumiere and then you can add moving things to that. Mm. (laughs) It gets, it gets crazy. Um, And then my new favorite app is called Bazart by the way. So those are my word swag, bizarre Canva and um, Lumiere. Those are my favorite sort of graphic creation apps. Um, And there's a ton over is fantastic. Um, There's a million of them, but those, those, those four that I mentioned are my faves. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm. Now, what about like, so there are guidelines for copy, like how, how many words we can use in our posts. So yes. So, okay. So here's the deal. Facebook is pretty open. You can write pretty long posts on Mm -hmm. there. So, and you can, and the way that you write it in Facebook, um, like when you hard return or things like that, Facebook will keep your formatting. Okay. Instagram does not necessarily keep your formatting. So I use an app called Spacey. Oh. And so I write my post in Spacey. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then um, when you, and it converts it, like it keeps it the way I want it. So if I've made specific paragraphs, mm. I will, uh, and it keeps that formatting. So often I write all of my posts in Spacey and then put them in the different platforms because Instagram is so particular and I want to make sure if I want to, um, if I want paragraphs to look a certain way, if I've added emojis or emoticons, I want them to be in a certain place or next to a certain sentence. So I'll use that app to make sure that the copy looks the way I want. And then um, on Instagram, it's 2,200 characters is the max. Okay. So Spacey also takes care of counting the characters for you. Mm. So you can't write too many. Um, one of the ways, if I, I think of Instagram as a microblog, I love that. It, it gives you a lot of space, right? So, um, but if you really have something long, you can always do part one, part two, or you could put the second half of your post in comment number one. And oh. then in comment number two, sorry, I'm saying that wrong. In comment number one still goes your um hashtags and then comment number two can be the second half of your post. Oh, interesting. and that sounds a little complicated, but it really, it's not when you do that action yourself, you'll see that if it's something really, really important, um, then you can do that. If that's how you want to do it, that's allowable. And they don't, they don't punish you if you will <laughs> for that kind of, for that kind of post. Now, LinkedIn is only 700 characters mm. for a regular post. Okay. Okay. And as we know, um, Twitter is the shortest at 140. 
I think, I think it's sometimes, sometimes it looks like it's 220 to me. I think it depends. Um, I've gone as many as 220 if you've had a graphic or a video in there Mm -hmm. for Twitter, but Twitter's the shortest. Now I have Um, a question. mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard that if you put just text, say just copy in Facebook without a picture, it's less Uh likely to be shown. Is that true? That's right. Oh, that is true. Okay. And we, and it, and we're talking about, of course, business pages. We're not talking about your personal page, Ah, but yes, my opinion is, and, and it's, and my opinion is based on, on data that we've learned about, right. That people are attracted to an image and they're Mm -hmm. super attracted to a video. I know in one of our, our, our other conversations, we talked about live video and curated video video will always gain the highest amount of eyeballs, live video, mm. secondary is curated video. And then third will be your graphic. Ah, so gotcha. that's why I try to add like butterflies flying through or music notes moving around or whatever it is. Um, a boomerang right. is, is a great choice because mm-hmm. mm-hmm, it's a moving picture. I know that I love I love Canva, and I know that yes. they've they've upgraded their plat their oh their gosh. offerings, and now you yes. can take you could even just take a, a static picture, yes. and add movable little Amazing. graphics to it, and then turn it into a video, yeah, uh, like a looping video that works. That's right. Yeah, uh, which I've used for like announcing like like my recital, right? So I did a post, a picture for the recital with all the details, and then I put like flashy lights and all that stuff. Yes, and it really I love cute. it. It's so cute. And that's a great idea. You know, you can actually in Instagram when you know when you're making a story, mm-hmm. so you could put your picture, so act like you're making a story mm-hmm. and then use the 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 GIF or GIF, depending on what you say, right. and add a moving thing. And then there's an arrow on the bottom left. You download it and then discard that post. And you've made a moving post without any additional apps. Oh, so you could do it within the within the platform. Sure, absolutely. And then use that graphic anywhere. I love that. I mm-hmm. love that. That's a really good workaround. Excellent. Now, I wanted to ask you, um, if you have a picture with a lot of text in it. Is Mm. that a no-no? Kinda. (laughs) Okay. The the thing is, that's why you'll see a carousel post, for example, on Instagram where it's multiple pictures. So why not use the same graphic with maybe two to five lines max? Okay. And then use the same graphic and then have the next few lines because it, it just, the, you know, social media and humans and the world and all of these things put together mean that attention spans are very, very short. And so <laughs> yes. it's just smarter to, if you grab them in, right, with an interesting graphic or an interesting single line, and then they'll have a tendency, people will read your whole post. Mm. But if immediately they're looking at things and it starts getting um, complicated, mm. then then they turn off. That's why even at my other favorite app, for um, copy is called Textlicious. Oh. First of all, who doesn't love that word? I love everything <laughs> licious. Textlicious. And you can put in italics, bold. Oh, I've seen a, that, a, yes. A few little outline things. And, and that is, you're, we're just trying to grab eyes. Mm. We're just trying to grab eyes so that we can um, get our message across in a happy way. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love using those kinds of tools and moving things. I, I My favorite one that I made for you a couple of weeks ago was the Yeti and he was popping oh, yes. out of the, oh my gosh, that was, that so was literally my favorite. 
I have to just repurpose that for you because <laughs> I just love seeing the Yeti pop out of that song. Oh, yes. That, okay. So for people who are wondering what's going on, we have a new song on our on our single song downloads called The Singing Yeti. And secretly, oh. it's, a, it's a vocal study about major and minor triads and arpeggios. It's so brilliant. But Karen did this cute little post with the Yeti popping up. I did, I did so laugh when I saw that. That was well done. It was perfect, right? The singing Yeti. I mean, who doesn't want to have a singing Yeti in their life? <laughs> one of the one of the teachers on the forums was like, you know, there is a sort shortage of repertoire about Sasquatch. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You're welcome. Wow, brilliant idea. <laughs> <laughs> Karen, thank you so much. These social media tips are so helpful. So for those hey. of us that are are using and embracing social media tools to help leverage our our work and our studios and um, to share our our superpowers, uh, thank you so much. And we'll be talking to you soon again. I can't wait already. The vocal instrument is fascinating and complex. And our good friend and colleague vocologist Heather Nelson is sharing some Anatomy 101 with everybody today. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend, my colleague, Dr. Heather Nelson. How are you? I am so good. I'm so glad to be back. Oh, I well, I really appreciate your time and your expertise. And uh, you have been uh, on your blog and on your socials, you've been sharing these wonderful little tidbits of information. And I just I can't get enough. And I wanted to share with our listeners some of the wonderful things that you're talking about, um, some of the pedagogy and some of the um, anatomy. So what are we going to talk about today? Today, we're going to focus on your friend and mine, the cricothyroid muscle, which um, many of us uh, uh, abbreviate as the CT because that's a lot of letters to have to say all at the same time. <laughs> okay, so give us, a, give us a lowdown. CT muscles, cricothyroids, what are, what are they? Why do we need to know about them? What do they do? Sure. The CT muscle is super important for singers. It is our main muscle for pitch control. And so, especially up in uh, our middle and upper range, it really helps the, the vocal folds to get long enough for us to sing those glorious high notes. And so this is um, particularly important when you are uh, trying to ascend and sing all those power notes and everything. So let's Think about where it is, and then that'll help give you an idea of how it works. So the CT muscle, um, the cricothyroid, its name tells you where it is. It um, starts, um, it originates at the cricoid cartilage, which is the first tracheal ring. So it's right on top of your windpipe. And so it um, attaches right there. And then it fans upward and backward to the thyroid cartilage. And so it is in two parts. Um, there's um, uh, on either side, so it's kind of a bilateral muscle. It, um, like most things in the larynx, it has a mirror image of one of, of each other on either side. And then um, what it does is when it contracts, it can either um, move the cricoid cartilage up a little bit, or it can tilt the thyroid cartilage down a little bit, or it can slide the thyroid cartilage forward just a little bit. And it can do all three of those things in, um, you know, 
variations of uh, depending on how the muscle contracts. We don't have a lot of direct control over it. We can't tell necessarily our cricothyroid to um, contract in this way. <laughs> Instead, we tell our brains that we would like to sing this note. And the brain says, okie dokie. And it sends a nerve message down the vagus nerve to that muscle. And then that muscle contracts in the perfect way that it is supposed to. At least that's the idea. <laughs> Right. We as voice teachers, <laughs> right, yeah. We as voice teachers, we are trying to help our students to get that muscle to be a little more fine-tuned. And so um, when we are teaching things like pitch control, we're really targeting one, that muscle in particular. Beautiful, beautiful. I, nobody can see this, but as we're talking, like I'm poking around my neck and <laughs> you're pointing to your neck. But I think you've done a wonderful job of explaining it. Now, you also have visuals for this. Yes. And so you can find a video that I've done, a five-minute pedagogy class on the CT muscle. You can find that on my blog. I'll also repost it on my socials this week so that you can um, follow me on or go look me up on Facebook and or Instagram and see those videos again. And um, I, I do show you on a printout where exactly that muscle is and, and how it works um, so that you can have a little bit of an idea what's, you know, where it is underneath your skin. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. So I'm going to put links on our show notes, uh, right directly to uh, Dr. Heather Nelson's website, as well as her post about the CT muscles. And Heather, I love your, I love your little videos. They're so they're so short and sweet, but they're just such a little great little bit of information that's so helpful. And, you know, it's interesting, even though we may have studied this, it's always good to review. It's always good to go, oh, yeah. And I always learn something new each time. Or, or maybe something I didn't pay attention to the first time. <laughs> yeah, that's that's part of learning. We can't learn it all at once. We are not in, you know, exactly sponges. You know, that's not how our brains work, unfortunately. You know, right. so we do have to come back to things. And and even when I did the video, I I learned things or was reminded of things that I had forgotten about the CT muscle. So it's good for me too to to get back into that that detailed anatomy that is so much fun and um, and be reminded of just how amazing our voices are. Oh, I love it. And I love your passion for all things singing and anatomy and all of that. Thank you so much for popping in. We will have Heather back on the podcast to share more wonderful little tidbits of uh, singing, singing everything. Have a great day, Heather. Thank you. I will. <laughs> We are continuing our business series with voice teacher and business expert, Michelle Marquardt-Tavo. Today, she's talking about creating and marketing your business offers, the way in which you package and communicate your teaching services. Understanding this concept is essential for a successful business plan. Welcome back to the podcast, our good friend, voice teacher extraordinaire, business maven, Michelle Marquardt DeVoe. How are you? Hello. You guys can't see this, but she's dancing. (laughs) I'm doing a dance. I feel okay. I 
having been been embracing my lower capacity mm. instead of trying to muscle through eight, 10, 12 hour days. I'm just like, all right, four hours, I'm done. Self-care. It's, it's so helpful. It's helpful to acknowledge your capacity and say, I only got four hours in me. And then just make the four hours count instead of like, oh, I should be working eight hours. I should be working 10 hours. And then those whole hours are just like, Bleh. <laughs> I wish everyone could have seen my favorite. It's awesome. It's true. I, I Thank you for sharing that because I am the worst for pushing through until like full exhaustion, right? And, and I'm trying very hard to go, you know what, today is done and I'm just going to relax. Yeah, it's, it's a transition mm. to learn to do that well. Mm -hmm. Took me a couple weeks to fully embrace the slowdown. Mm. But I will say those four hours, I make them count. So I'm actually, what it is, is it's actually super like, crap, why didn't I do this years ago? <laughs> because I'm getting the same amount done in less time. And I'm like, I could have had a four-hour work day. Mm, one of, Sometimes it takes a global pandemic to learn a thing, right? It's true. It's true. I Yeah, that's a good point. I um, This year, I have cut back my teaching days. I used to teach very long teaching days. Mm. And... Uh, I have to say, I am so, I'm, first of all, I'm enjoying it much more, and I have more energy and enthusiasm for the four or five students that I work with a day, rather than the nine or ten students I used to work with in a day. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of students in one day, Nikki. Well, my thinking was I would I would put all my students and keep my teaching on, on days, and the power through teaching, and then I would have my focus for other things like like in the publishing company. And right. that was wishful thinking. And I mean, in my younger days, my younger days, I didn't mind teaching long days. I enjoyed it. I was empowered. But now that is those days are gone. <laughs> yeah, it's an, it's tr it's interesting, though, like, because I think this goes to what we're going to talk about today with offers and such is your offers change as you become more aware of your capacity, the mm. capacity of your ideal client and, you know, what feels good in your body. Nice. Because, I mean, our bodies are our instruments. And if we're not paying attention, I believe if we're not paying attention to our bodies when we're teaching, then we're not modeling the behavior we need to model to make singers because singers, I mean... You got to pay attention to every little, I mean, it's a little hypochondriac-y, I guess. No, it's I not, though. It's important. It's not. It's being mindful and being, like, attentive to your own visceral responses and your own where you feel things in your body emotionally. Because that will that will affect the instrument. Absolutely. I mean, there's so much research out there on, like, voice and trauma, voice and stress, stress responses manifest in the larynx, the lungs, right. the pelvis. I mean, I know I came here to talk about business, but surprise, surprise, I do enjoy teaching voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 
I think these are all great things. I mean, we all have to check in and um, we serve no one, not ourselves, not our families, and certainly not our students if we are... Uh, I, th- I think it was you that told me, was it, I think it was, I'm, I hope I'm attributing properly, but the, you know, you don't want to set yourself on fire to keep others warm. Was that you? That's right. I don't know. It might've been Kristen. Oh. That sounds like something Kristen would say as well. But I think whoever made it up and whoever shared it. Is it, wise. That's, <laughs> that's the wisdom, right? Um, Kristen being Kristen Coffee Rondo of Sand Dollar Music and community manager of the Speakeasy Cooperative. <laughs> Shout out to Kristen. Yeah. So I was like, people are good. We're talking like we're friends, like everyone knows who Kristen is, um, which they should, but still. I think it's the truth. You cannot, I, I don't understand. I know that it's so culturally, in Western culture, it is so deeply ingrained that women specifically mm-hmm. must be the last person on the list right. of care. You're yeah. a caregiver, but you're the last person on the list of that caregiving responsibility. Mm. And, you know, we can go all hyper philosophical and talk about like historical theology and socio historic patriarchy, of <laughs> like course. all of that kind of stuff on another day yes another another podcast episode for sure so offers let's dive into offers yeah. so for for anybody that's listening michelle has been coming on and we are doing a series we started off by just talking about the three things you needed to get started with your own teaching business our previous episode with michelle we were talking about ideal client and identifying the people that your studio will serve And today we're digging into offer and offers and how we're going to present those offers. And go. (laughs) And, oh, great. And go. Okay, so where shall we start? So let's start with this because our perspective here is like you're kind of coming into this brand new or you're rebuilding a business and starting over or you know, you're kind of new to the conversation is the audience, right? So I'm going to throw this into on these cards onto the table. And that is your offer is not voice lessons. Mm. So oftentimes what happens is we, we confuse at first our service with our actual offer. So the service we provide is teaching voice. Right. Our offer is how we package and deliver that service. And you can have many, many, many offers with your service. Mm-hmm. So when I'm teaching this, I, I invite people to think right away about offers being little containers And I like to use the analogy of like a stool with three legs, four legs, right? Usually three, just because thinking about more than three makes people overwhelmed. And it's a lot to keep track of. So unless you're really good at keeping track of all of that. So the stool has a container on top and the container on top is like your main offer, the thing that's going to kind of be your biggest revenue stream, Mm -hmm. which for many people starting out is going to be one-on-one voice lessons. Sure. 
So we have to think about what does that container look like? Is it purple? Is it a square? Is it a circle? Is that container have a handle? How long does that container last? Is it biodegradable? <laughs> like, you sure. know, think about that container. Mm -hmm. And there's where we start talking about commitment levels of um, like what we're asking, you know, contract lengths, you know, right. year, six months, month by month per lesson. Is it not based on time at all, which is like value-based mm -hmm. or a subscription or like a hybrid subscription model? Um, how long are the lessons, right. you know, in terms of the time you choose to reserve for it or not reserve for it? How often, what do you provide with the lessons? Like, are you going to include supplies? Are you going to include studio classes? Are you going to include, right? So mm -hmm. there's this thing that is a container for your service that you are selling. Right. And then like the legs can be other revenue streams, other offers that you make in relationship to the service. So for example, I have, I teach voice lessons and I would say my main container for voice lessons right now is drop-in voice lessons, right? Okay. So people just paid a book and I don't have anyone on contract. Um, well, I have one person on contract. So like one of my other stool legs might be contracted monthly subscription people. Okay. And then another one of my stool legs is master classes and workshops. So I have a special kind of master class offer that I've come up with that's different than the way other voice teachers do offers. Mm -hmm. And I do it for other voice studios. Nice. Right. So that's another offer, but it's still my service mm -hmm. that I'm doing, which is working with the voice working with teachers, working with making better singers. Does it make sense? It does. It does. So my encouragement to you, anyone who's listening from the get-go, is to not kind of immediately fall into this trap of like, oh, I know what voice lessons are. Voice lessons are weekly pay per lesson, 30, 45, or 60-minute time slots that someone decides to come into my home or onto my Zoom or onto my Jitsi clean feed combo or whatever and learn and just has, and we sing together. I mean, that's the service you provide, but when you combine the service with how you're delivering it, that's where we can get into some of the problems that people come across when they're no longer happy with the way their business is running. And right. it's usually a problem with the offer. And it's because they're doing drop-in lessons only, Right. Pay per service. And by the way, charging someone once a month for the four lessons that they took or the five lessons they took is still pay per service, even though you're invoicing once a month. Very good clarification. Does that yeah, that's a yeah. good clarification. That's not a monthly payment. That's not a monthly retainer. And I know tuition. it seems it's not tuition. <laughs> and I think that it's important that we clarify that because understanding these offers helps you bring more value to them. Mm -hmm. And to, again, that's why you got to know the ideal client, right? Mm -hmm. Right now, the reason why I'm mostly with drop-ins is because my ideal client has shifted away from the ideal client that it was a couple years ago. And I'm working with busy professionals right now. Right. So I'm not really asking them for tuition anymore mm. because that's not what serves them that's you know nice. they want they want complete flexibility 
they want to be able to make a decision about when they come and how often they come. They're highly self-motivated. Mm. So I can say to them, I don't care when you book next, you're going to know. If you're practicing this, you're going to have an intuition. If you know your voice and you're practicing this, you will have an intuition about when your next lessons should be. And some people just book four out at one time. Right. You know, and then some people, I see them pop up every three weeks or so. That's, see, and that's why it's so important that we understand our ideal client, because without understanding their needs, we're not going to create a, an offer that, that it works. Right. Now, for anyone who's kind of asking, well, but that's what I do and it's not working for me. I'm going to say, well, why isn't it working for you? The reason why it works for me is twofold. I have a recurring revenue stream, mm. which is really in an in a independent voice studio, solo voice studio. That's the goal with something like subscription or tuition or value-based packaging is that you can depend on the revenue, mm -hmm. that it's a recurring revenue stream. You know how much is coming in. You can budget better, right? That offer gives you some flexibility in how you use your money and your time because you have more greater knowledge mm -hmm. about how much money you're going to make each month. Right. I have a recurring revenue stream that I spend a lot of time on, which is the Speakeasy Cooperative and then the VAP high-level mastermind group. So I have the luxury of having one of my stool legs, right? Mm -hmm. Not have to be as consistent and perfect and knowing exactly how much is going to come in. So that's really But I still have goals. But I, I still have goals around it. I, I really like that you shared that with everyone because I'm... So I have, I mean... The tuition, I have my tuition students. So my families, my young students are all on tuition. They have regular lessons and we decide how many lessons through the year and it's divided equally, uh, uh, you know, through the nine months. But knowing what that base, uh, the income is going to be allowed me to then create an offer for my adults who yeah. like who like you said you they need that flexibility uh, and um, I was able to I mean then that determined actually which day that they would come in on my pricing for that but it also allowed me to do fun things like we do like a group sip and sing at once a month with my with my adults not with the kids okay just yeah, clarifying that absolutely. so but knowing where my where my foundation <laughs> offer was allowed me to create the offer for the adults which works beautifully for their schedules and the flexibility of if they can't make it you know it's not a problem but i couldn't you're right i couldn't offer any of that without knowing where my base income was with the tuition students yeah and you know i do i do believe that a solo studio can you can have one revenue stream and if you have certain revenue goals um depending on you know like your market and all of that i do believe that a one person studio selling only one on one voice lessons can be sustainable mm -hmm. um but you got to set that up really really well and then you have to have a really solid kind of um you know lead pipeline coming in so like when people are ending their contracts, you already know where your next people are coming in order to fulfill new contracts. And when I use the word contract, I mean like agreement for a service. Sure. You know, that's, you know, let's take some of the fear out of those words, like agreements and contracts. Client-facing language I use is agreement, mm. even though 
technically it's a contract, right? Like you're agreeing to this thing. I'm agreeing to this thing. We've decided on these terms and conditions, essentially. So, um, yeah, I think this is really, that would be like the first thing I would say is, okay, put aside weekly voice lessons, 30, 60, 45, my time equals money is your offer. And just say, no, lessons, teaching people to sing is my service. How do I want to package that? And there are a bazillion, gajillion, wonderful, amazing ways to do that. And I mean, can I, um, can I like shout out to Eden Castile? Sure, please. Eden's been on our podcast. She's, I know she's incredible. She's been a client of mine for a, a while and it's really awesome She's a great, the reason why I shout her out is she's a great example of someone who kind of came into coaching with me from the perspective of weekly voice lessons, 30 or 60 minutes, paper service is what you do. And now, you know, several iterations, she switched over to value-based pricing for a while. Then she switched over to like small packaging and it took a couple years, but now she's kind of found this offer that she's basically a producer for individuals. Yeah, It's so cool. This offer that she's come up with and that we've worked on together um, in the mastermind group is so incredible. And it's like, if I was a performer, I would want that. Nice. So what she does is she has like, it's a total amount of money. Mm-hmm. And it's like a year-long thing or a nine-month thing. She works with every individual to customize it. And she creates a project for that person. She's literally a producer. It's whether it's an album or it's a one-person show or it's um, a podcast for them or whatever it is. She works intensively with a few people and she produces their creative project. And that's how she delivers her service. That's a very cool offer. And it's so cool. (laughs) Nikki, we'll have to, offline, we'll have to talk about it. But I I share her as an extreme example because she's thought so far out of the box and she's really challenged herself thinking about her ideal client and then also thinking about what she's so good at. Because I don't know if you, I mean, you've had her on, so you know that woman can do any thing super talented she's super talented and i believe that the listeners are probably just as talented just maybe haven't dug that out of themselves yet (laughs) she's taken a lot two years to dig out the reality of what she can offer to people well i i i I probably should have asked her if i could talk about her (laughs) we'll double check before we we, uh, do that um I think that is a wonderful story to share because she didn't get to that offer overnight. No, no. And if I look at my studio now and all the offers that I've had throughout the years and some of them worked right away, but they only worked for a short period of time or some of them were to accommodate slower summers and some of them as my studio changed, like, and some of them, did not last like you just you you might have to just throw some stuff at the wall and see what's totally totally that's the other thing that i love about bringing in the concept of offers into our studio is then if something goes sideways you're not like 
oh no, I can't do my service anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of course. It's more like, oh, the container that I tried to put what I do in didn't didn't fly. I missed the mark on this container. And then you go back and say, well, where did I miss the mark on the container rather than, oh, I'm a crappy voice teacher. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, and this is why I love bringing industry standard language into our field because it really helps us like kind of pick apart what what's really going on and why something may be successful or not successful hmm. instead of making it so uber personal. Ah, nice. And and like uh, and and too identity driven. Very true. Michelle, this yes. like all your conversations, they're so so thoughtful. And I know that for those listening who are, whether you're starting your studio or whether you're looking to grow your studio, or you recognize that perhaps now is you need some change and new offerings in your studio. I, I thank you for this, this time and these, this information. Now, you will be back. We are finishing this, the, uh, this series with talking about money. Do you want to give everyone a heads up about just a little overview on what that's about? Oh, sure. Well, I was thinking we would kind of talk about it from a very data-driven way. So I think it'd be helpful to kind of go over some of the words that we come across when we're talking about money and business, maybe some of the concepts and um, less really of a money mindset episode because they can listen to that one that we did last year. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and more and more just like, hey, so you don't feel silly when you get into a conversation <laughs> with an accountant. Here are some words that would be helpful to know and some concepts that would be helpful to have a little bit of info on. What do you think about that? I think that's so brilliant. And can I just share something? So I would love it. Well, I, I have. So we have a new accountant because we are now uh, incorporated and he sent me this email of all the things that I needed to provide him with. And then because I'm, I've been working with my bookkeeper for a while, I yeah. immediately zoomed my bookkeeper and went, can you go through some of these things and just explain to me what they are so I don't look like a total silly when I talk to my new business accountant who's very serious <laughs> nice. So I love that you're going to help us understand some of those terms. So I look forward to our next uh, our next segment in this series. And again, thank you for serving our community and helping people and making them just know that there's the the world is their oyster and there's just so many things that they can do for their for their people. Thanks for having me as always. <laughs> A very special thank you to my expert guests, Jessica Saunders, Karen Michaels, Heather Nelson, and Michelle Marquardt-DeVoe. Full Voice Music is passionate about creating fun, educational, and inspired vocal music resources for your young singers. Visit our website and discover some beautiful new holiday music, including fun solos, duets, canons, and haunting three- and four-part arrangements of seasonal music. Single-song downloads are complete teaching packages 
with music and backing tracks. And please don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. You will be notified of new releases and you'll receive delivery of our holiday freebies. As always, inspired teaching and happy holiday singing. Made by Canoe Music Productions.